David, please tell us your story. Tell us about your daughter. How did this all start? What led to today? Okay, from the start, uh, about three years ago, my daughter was in a local university, uh, sophomore, and she came home and said, hey, mom, dad, I was invited by a friend to a, a Bible study, and it was really cool, and they answered a lot of the questions I had about the Bible. They really know their stuff. Uh, my wife and I were very happy. You know, the Bible can be a difficult book to, to interpret and understand. About three weeks after, she came to us and said, hey, I'd really like you to come, and that went on for for a, a few weeks, and my wife and I uh, were enthusiastic. We were like, sure, we'd love for someone to, to you know, know, tell us all the answers. Um, and we went. So we went into the, the local World Mission Society Church of God uh, uh, church. Uh, it was a very humble place and a retail place. Walked right into a room, the door was closed, and my daughter and the pastor sat down with my wife and I. Um, and we started our first Bible study. This, this would have been the first of four Bible studies, and each Bible study was private, and they each were two to three hours long. But we didn't, we didn't know this. At first, the pastor was very humble, uh, very genuine, um, and, but that changed very, very quickly. Uh, he started to say, you know, we're the, we are the fastest growing church in the world. Um, all other churches, all other religions are heretics and liars. Uh, only, only we know the true interpretation of the Bible. Uh, you know, it's things like that that kind of raised red flags to us. Then the Bible studies came and they weren't, they didn't say anything about Ansan Hong, nothing about Mother God. They started out talking about why a father must have a mother to have children. So the, you know, evolution and all this, this sort of stuff have to have a, a mother and a father to have children. And we spent hours on that aspect bouncing around bouncing around from from old testament to new testament very very quickly from verse to verse very very quickly uh we couldn't even keep up we left after that first three hours confused but eager to return we were very open-minded um went home started to do some research uh, one of the videos I watched was yours. A couple others um, were were a little bit frightening, but we remained open-minded. We went back and slowly more and more of the, the true nature of the church came out. Um, Santa equals Satan was one of my personal favorites. Uh, Protestant equals prostitute. Uh, the Pope, and these are direct quotes from the pastor at the church. This isn't wishy-washy. Um, Protestant equals prostitute. Uh, the, the Pope is the Antichrist. All other people outside of the church, of 
God are influenced by Satan. This is when we really started to get a little scared. Um, uh, we tried to talk to our daughter about the church, but she just kept on saying, oh, you don't understand. You need to come back to the church. All your answers will be, you know, will be all your questions will be answered. Um, and if we tried to show her some information that we found on the church, lawsuits in South Korea, things like that, she didn't want to have anything to do with that. It's all lies. Everything is a lie. Even stuff that we hadn't shown her yet. It's all lies. So we started to realize that she had been prepared for this. That's when we got scared. Um, that's when we reached out to one of the foremost, well, it was Steve Hassan, one of the foremost um, cult experts in the nation. And he immediately said, you need to get your daughter out of that church as quickly as possible and do it any way you can. Um, this group is a is one of the most difficult groups to deal with anywhere in the anywhere in the world, more so than Scientology and Jehovah's Witness and some things like that. So that's that's totally consistent. Everything you've said so far is totally consistent with other things I've heard like over and over and over again as I've looked into this group. The the um, extremely loving and gracious at first, quickly conspiratorial about every other group. It's all Satan and, and then trying to create a lot of distrust with the whole planet Earth. Everybody is untrustworthy except for our little group, private one-on-one -on -one studies. All, all, everything that you've said is is super consistent with, with the stuff I've heard, in, including the idea that this group is particularly harmful as far as getting its hooks into people and then causing them uh, greater and greater suffering, really, than even other. You could be part of a weird group sometimes. <laughs> it doesn't and it doesn't affect your life as much as this one does. Yeah. Right, right. And, and you're exactly right. One of their first priorities, and this is one of, one of the reasons I wanted to do this video, is because uh, interpretation of the Bible and religion is is really only one almost smaller tool they use in, in a, a much larger tool belt to control people's lives. And one of the first things they do is create distrust amongst friends and family. So they say, even in one of uh, uh, his Unsung Hong's book, books, um, your, your friends and your immediate family are, are really the people to be most distrusted because Satan knows that you, you love them. And so he influences them first. And it also, it also with other pastors, we had, we tried to bring in a, a local pastor, um, Christian pastor, and they said no, because he's, you know, influenced by Satan. So that's, that's, uh, that's one of the first things they, they do. And it, uh, it worked. Um, our daughter started coming home and saying, uh, all the advice you've ever given me is wrong. I can't trust you. You don't know what you're talking about. And Mike, this was a girl that had an idyllic 
upbringing, uh, everything sh she could want, um, kindness, gentleness, you know, a, a good marriage, uh, another sibling, loving sibling. And all of a sudden it was like a switch. Um, you're, you're bad people and you're going to hell. Um, and then they, they, well, we, we enlisted, let me try to continue with the, the story. Um, we enlisted Steve Hassan's help and I ended up spent, spending a bunch of money. Wonderful guy, brought a, a, a good team of people in, ex-member, a biblical expert and himself and utter failure. They were so well prepared they knew what we were going to do. Uh, they were three steps ahead of us every, every sense of the sense of the way, every step of the Just way. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Are you going to be quiet? <laughs> <laughs> All right, but um, if you would backtrack just a bit, you were telling me about um, the failure of of what was really a, a well, a, a good attempt at an intervention. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so we enlisted Steve Hassan and his team, biblical expert, uh, Steve himself, and uh, an and ex, very well-known ex-member. Um, met, talked strategies, great education. Uh, but like I said, they were three steps ahead of us every step of the way. So um, interventions, we, we attempted one intervention. We're going to bring our daughter somewhere else and and uh like a vacation and um at first she was like yeah i'd love to do that and then three days before we left she came in and said you know what i've really thought about this hard and i can't come with you like, what, what do you think she about? she suspected that there was yes yeah no no absolutely no doubt it happened to be um around close to the holidays and she was like oh you're you're celebrating christmas and that is uh, a that's sin. pagan right that's pagan exactly yeah yeah so uh, they so the the church of world mission society church of god yeah they say christmas is pagan santa is satan every church is doing it wrong um and none of them have salvation because salvation is is their way of observing passover observing communion and we're not really going to make public how we do that. You just have to be part of our group. Right, uh, right. That's my impression from my reading and research on the topic. Now, when you say there were three steps ahead, could you maybe enlighten me? Like, what were some of the things that that, that intervention attempted that just failed? Like, any specific angles they tried that didn't work? Um, most of it was communication. was appealing to uh, her her sense that we had raised her and loved her for 20 years and, and only wanted the best for her. And what, if you look at the, the scales, what would it hurt to sit down with us for a day or, or two and discuss this against the 20 years that we loved and, and raised and nurtured her? Mm -hmm. And which, which to you and me would be like, that makes absolute sense. Sure, I'll do that, but she she wouldn't, um, and so that was one of the big failures. And the and the second one really was she was home around the holidays, 
and uh, we had prepared an intervention and uh, the whole thing was planned out and we just said in the morning when she got up, hey, we'd like to talk to you about the World Mission Society a little bit, just for a couple of hours. You know, we have someone that would like to talk to you as well. Mm-hmm. She walked upstairs and, and literally in, in 60 seconds came downstairs with her bag. So she had had her bag packed and she walked out the door um, and and walked down the street and ran away from home. So there, there's more to it than that. Um, uh, but she went, she went right to the church and that was, that was it. And she, the next time we, she went, she came back, she packed everything and, and moved out. So was that the last time you saw her? No. Um, so shortly after that, the, uh, the pastor called and he said, Hey, I've got a, teary-eyed, physically, physically abused girl. And I, you got to understand why I'm laughing. That's just, just absolutely silly. Um, that is here. And, uh, you know, if you want to see her again, you've got to come to the church and, and see her. And that's the last place we wanted to go. But out of desperation, we went back. Um, and to my, it still hadn't sunk in yet. We were already way, way, that's, this is what I mean by three steps ahead. Um, we sat there and listened for a while. And eventually I said, I am sorry. I just have to be honest. I don't believe in a mother God right now. I don't know what I believe but I'm amazed at, at what is going on here. Um, and to my amazement, my daughter started a, a attacking us along with the pastor, telling us that we were bad parents and that we were taking everything from her and, and doing her all this sort of harm and not being respectful of her beliefs. Um, and at that point, I just, we said, listen, you know, we're, we're paying for your college. All we want to do is sit down and talk to you. Give us a day, one day, or I, I can't see continuing to pay for your college. And she looked right at the pastor and said, I guess I'll have to get a job. And uh, a week later, she dropped out of college. Now, how long had she been part of the group at that point? Like, was it months, years? See, that's a an important question and one i cannot exactly answer so i think she was involved months before she said anything um and i I think she was already i know now that that once you go in they baptize you and then as soon as they baptize you they take you and they say here's the people you need to watch out for mike winger and and you know the examining world mission society church of god mm-hmm. they are truly influenced by satan and so they're they're preparing their members very well yeah the the amount of control that that exists in that regard is pretty extreme and it's definitely beyond something that we see 
in a biblical sense, I could say as someone who, who's pretty serious about wanting to obey what scripture says, like I would see that as if any church did that, any church, I would see this as an absolute abuse of power and a misrepresentation of, of biblical Christianity, of Christ himself. Um, there just isn't that kind of authority in a church. But the um, the thing is with, with her, I'm kind of wondering, because you said you found my videos. Did you... Because, I mean, just be honest with me. Hey, did you try something? You're like, hey, I saw this in Mike's video. Maybe this would help her to see and it just failed. It's okay if that's the case. No ego here. We really just want to know what works and doesn't work. You know? Yeah, let me refresh it. That'll probably do it. There we go. Good. Better. All right. Um. So, yeah, I, I'm just curious, did you try stuff that you'd seen from maybe one of my videos or from somebody else's content in, in the research you did? And it was like it just fell flat. If, if so, we'd like to know. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yes. And oh, yes, I have. I, I, I literally kind of ended my career and just jumped in this black hole of, of studying religion and psychology and, and uh, cults and things like that. And. Um, that's where, again, it was an utter failure because, uh, and this is what I wanted to communicate. There's so much, so much else, but besides misinterpretation of the Bible going on here, there's the whole spectrum of cognitive dissonance and undue influence and, uh, thought reform and things like that to the point where, um, uh, the, the conversations, our conversations, usually ended in in pretty heated argument um, because I was frustrated because um, I could I could say, hey, to my daughter, hey, come out and look at the the blue sky, and and she could say, I'm sorry, Dad, it's it's not blue, it's green, and I could take her outside and have her look up, and she would just say, I don't care if I see, and you may be right, but it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm happy. So, so again, it's facts didn't matter. And that was incredibly frustrating. She had given up all her hobbies, all her friends, her, her schooling. She spent, um, she'd leave at four o'clock in the morning, come home at 11 o'clock at night. At first it was, uh, Saturday, of course, because it was Sabbath and Sunday meant you were a, a sinner. Um, but then it was Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, and and then moving in with the church. So it just and I would tell her this all was going to happen and watch it happen. And she would deny it. So. Um, so. So maybe I could put it this way is um, at least in her case and in probably a lot of people's cases, it's not that they're convinced like I it's not like it starts out with I believe that whatever the Bible says is true and they've convinced me the Bible teaches mother God. And so then if you could convince me the Bible doesn't teach that, then I'll leave. You're saying there's no, no, there's these other elements that are committing her to this cause and to this thing so that just showing you know, the p problems and flaws and this and that, it, it somehow is not addressing the the wholehearted commitment it, that's not rising from a, a biblical faith or something like that. It's rising from somewhere else, these other elements. Right, right. And, and I and I think that, that 
you could say that if you misinterpret the Bible, they they do arise from the Bible. But is uh, for instance, um, fear of of being condemned to burn in hell forever. They use that very quickly. And if you don't believe, or even if you have doubt, um, you're you may be condemned to hell for forever. And I, I um, and then it's it's shutting down the concept of of cognitive dissonance, where when people have conflicting thoughts and ideas, it it makes them think. It stops them, and they they think about it, and they kind of push it to the side because they want to believe what they want to believe. And I've actually talked to people, uh, members, uh, with a pastor when I've seen the pastor make a point that was almost irrefutable and the World Mission Society member said, you may be right, but I don't care. That right there is is the ultimate his cognitive dissonance is gone. He doesn't question anything. Um, and just believes everything and does everything that he's told. So that's, that is very, that's very powerful. Yeah. yeah I care. <laughs> my own journey and my own uh, season of doubt in Christianity was, was based on that reality. It's like, I care a lot about whether this is true. And if I'm not convinced that it's true, then then that's going to be a problem for me. It's not something I don't care about, but, um, but yeah, then what do you do? I have encountered people like that who are in that place where they, it's like the facts don't matter. And I, I like you, I kind of throw my hands up and I go, I'm not really sure how to help at that point. Right. And, yeah. and that's, that's what we were left with. We were left with, uh, uh, a, a daughter who had put us as a family way down the list of, of, uh, respectability and someone that wouldn't listen to anything that we said after 20 beautiful years and we just couldn't understand why um, until we we started to understand more about undue influence and and, uh, and elements like that um, and that's where the only thing I can say now is we try to just just love her we, I can't talk about the Bible. I can't talk about her life. Um, I can't talk about inviting her anywhere for a vacation. Nothing like that. All I can do is try to try to love her and hope that she finds her way out. Um, yeah. do, do you still have contact with her? Yes. Yes. Um, some. Uh, we went from a went from seeing her four days a week to maybe once uh, every few months um she'll come over for for dinner or something like that um we know that it's 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 amazing we know that it's scripted many times so so i'm on a, this world mission site and we'll get notes that hey you know all the all the children are coming over over for dinner during the, during this week and it's like you know they're saying okay go visit your parents so we don't get a bad, you know, a, a, a bad review on the web or something like okay, that. There's so much to talk about right there. Let's talk about a little bit of it. 
Sure. Um, first, if you would, please help help the, the viewers to understand that you're not the only parent uh, who's this has happened to. This is this is like a, a a very reoccurring thing that's been happening with families. Could you could you enlighten us about that, please? Sure, sure. So one of the one of the best things that happened is um, I did get involved with the, the examining the uh, WSMOG website, um, and there's there's hundreds of, of people on that website, ex-members and family members. Uh, and I now am in contact with um, probably a hundred different, probably fifty different family members and 50 different ex-members uh, and the family members are are fantastic for my wife and I and, and my other daughter um, because my story is is easy compared to some um, you've got you've got parents who have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars being sued and um, uh, being taken to court and and just going back and forth, losing their their kids, having their kids give all their money to the church, um, and and coming out broken, unable to to fight back. Um, so the uh, church has uh, this is this is something I didn't know. So the church has actually encouraged kids to sue their parents so they could give the money to to the church. Well, I, I can't, I can't, that's a little bit speculative, okay. but, um, there have been many lawsuits where, um, uh, the church has sued the ex member, uh, uh, and then actually lost and the, the ex member is now suing the church. Um, a, a couple cases where I know the ex member and the family has spent hundred thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, literally hundreds of thousands, up to um, uh, the millions of dollars fighting the, the church wow. uh, for, for various for various things. Um, I got off easy when they just filed a complaint and have my first video on them taken down. <laughs> you're, you're right. You're absolutely right. And that's but, one of the things I always advise. You should always say this is just my uh, opinion. Um, because they will, they are very litigious and yeah. that's, it's, it's my that, opinion that they, they use, uh, they use the law to immorally oppress people and try to steal money from them using the legal, the legal system. That's my opinion. Right. And, right. uh, and I've had a number of people who came out of the woodwork to like warn me when I first started doing content on them and they were like, watch out, Mike, they'll come after you. And I did try to be careful with how I presented the content. So I thought, let me, let me not give them an excuse, you know? Yeah. Right, and you get busted for picture copyright or something, right? I don't know. That's um, yeah. Uh, and and so at any rate, there there is a, is a, there's a wonderful support group um, of of people that are that are that are there for ex members or people who have questions. Um, and the the uh, just stream of consciousness. I asked a couple of the, of the ex-members, what's the worst thing about the World Mission Society? And I thought it was going to be, well, you know, I gave them all my money, blah, blah, blah. They always say the same thing. David, I wasted 5, 10, 15 years of my life. So there are people today that, that got in when they were 
uh, 20 and now they're, they're 35, 40 and they're just starting a family or they're just uh, uh, starting college, you know, literally things like that. And that's the, that really is the saddest. Yeah, and for those who don't know, they're 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 a doomsday cult. They're, they they that's my understanding of them. I would consider them that. Where it's it's like um, the end times are are for sure coming so quick. In fact, they've repeatedly it's reported. We'll say that it's reported that they've repeatedly predicted to their members the end of the world in a, a number of years that has not taken place. It's caused some members to quit and others to just be ignorant of it because they hide they hide the details later, but. This, this, uh, for the audience to know, this controls people in such a way that they're like, yeah, what's the point of, of me pursuing my life in a sense of being prepared for retirement, being ready for like a future career, long-term plans. It's just, uh, evangelize for this organization to get more people into it. And that's pretty much the whole goal, except the organization is a fraud. And so it's the, it's the worst kind of spiritual abuse. Right. And here's a personal, you reminded me of personal, from personal experience, once we really started to question their doctrine, um, uh, they kept on saying, you, you really need to hurry up and get baptized because time is running out. We are in the end times. Mm -hmm. And I, I would ask the, the question like, well, well um, what, so why can't I just think about this? Why do I have to get baptized why what what about the guy on the other side of the world who was a who's a good person but has never heard of of mother god and the answer was that that person doesn't count because you have heard of mother god now you know the truth now if you don't get baptized you are spiritually dead and are going to hell so what's so what's trippy to me is how many of those elements, and and I'm sure you're aware of this, is how many of those elements do have a similarity to Christian teachings. Yes. And but to me, I look at it and I go, it's not the similarities, it's the differences that are appalling. And so when you when you get into the details of it and you go, okay, this is what I would consider uh, like anti-Christian uh, in the sense of okay, like back to like the Greek of it of it all, uh, anti. Christ in scripture is is something that's like trying to imitate Christ. It's not just like the opposite of, it's like an imitation of. And so I would consider this an imitation of Christianity, an appalling imitation of Christianity. If there's something that can be distorted, taken out of context, or or turned it into a weapon, that's what they're going to do with it. And the end result is going to be um, that it gives, it gives, especially to people like you, who've gone through the ringer, it gives all of Christianity a bad name, in my opinion. Um, it does. And you're right. And uh, that's they prey on people like uh, me or my wife. Or We're not biblical experts. We're, we're um, just try to be good people. And to, to your point, I don't like to use the word uh, cult anymore. I use high demand religion versus mainstream religion for, for one specific reason. I called the church a cult when I spoke to my daughter and she looked, she turned around, she said, dad, if, if my church is a cult, aren't all religions cults? And I said, absolutely not. And she pulled out a dictionary and, and showed me the definition of cult. Mm -hmm. She, she got me. 
Yeah. If, if you if you see the Oxford, you know, definition, you can go, oh boy, Christianity is involved, and that that. Uh, just another head spinner. Yeah, this is this is actually a common thing, and maybe it's a good. Maybe I should stop using the term cult because it confuses people. Um, so, in if, if you know, there's 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 a dictionaries like Oxford Dictionary. Right? There's also theological terms that have special meaning in theology. And so, when I talk about um, uh, the word ecumenical, it has a special meaning within Christian theology, but it has a different meaning probably in secular terminology. The word cult does as well. Cult in secular terminology refers to basically a religious system that has like rituals of any kind. And so it's a very, it's not even derogatory. Right. In, in Christian theology, it's often used to refer to something imitating Christianity that is not true Christianity. And, um, and usually those are high demand, as you say. But yeah, I get it. it. It really is just different usages of the word, but I get how that would have been like a, ha ha, gotcha dad <laughs> kind of moment. Yeah, yeah. I gotcha moment. And uh but uh, yeah, and that the high demand is is where the the danger really comes in. I mean, it, if I miss uh, coming to church on on Sunday, I don't get a call from Mike Winger saying, "Where the heck were you?" If, if I don't, if I come in and I give ten dollars at your church, um, I don't get a call from you saying, "You make more money than that." Yeah, you know, give me more, give me more. And um, that's really, really yeah. what they they do. It's very yeah. I can tell you as a as a pastor at my church, I've been there for many, many years, I literally don't even know who gives. I wouldn't even be able to look out of the congregation and even have a clue who gives. Yeah. yeah. And that's the way we like it. <laughs> right, right. Well, and this is the thing with, with World Mission. We, we've seen the ex-members have had their old sheets where it gives names and how much they gave, how much they didn't give, how, not only how much they give, how much they pay for food or they pay for the electric bill at the church. Um, and I know in the Bible it says give for 10%, but I think you've talked to one of the ex-members, Kelsey. She mathematically figured it out. She was giving 40 to 50% of her gross income. To the, to yeah. the church. I would argue that 10% is not even a biblical requirement for Christians. Okay. It's it's a reference to Old Testament, but that's another issue altogether. But even still, 40 to 50% of your of your what what seems clear to me is that that's what they're really ultimately after. Yes. Money is, is that, and yeah. money and power. Sure. Yeah. And, and that's that's clearly what what we've seen. I have seen firsthand the arranged marriages. Um and just another two, two Korean people who don't even speak English firsthand, uh, which is just another element of, of control. And um, they want two things. They want your money and your time, and they're using that time to go out and just dial for, dial for converts, to, to, to convert as many people as they can as quickly as they can. And it's systematic. So we, I'll just throw this out there. You're saying you're an eyewitness to arranged marriages where somebody who's uh, not from the U.S., they're from Korea, they're brought over, they're part of the, the group, you know, in Korea, the Church of God in Korea. They're brought over and then through the instruction of the leaders, it's, it's suggested at least <laughs> that you marry this person and they marry them and they don't even share a language. Right. Yep. Yes. And that I'll have to say in my in my opinion, but I watched this happen um, in in the church on a couple of different occasions. So, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's been widely reported from other people as well. This is this would be confirmatory, in my opinion. Um, now, they deny all these things. They say this doesn't happen. And it may not happen in a local um, Zion, right, where they where they call them their local their groups Zion. It may not happen in their local place. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen anywhere. Um, right. And it may not have happened in the past couple of years. Doesn't mean it didn't happen before that. But the um, the other thing that oh, there was something else you mentioned I wanted to touch on. Um, um, oh, it, it was just the repeatability of this stuff. This this church, this group, more than any group I've ever seen, is learning to have a repeatable systematic formula for how they first initially get somebody and then turn them into like a real devoted um, servant of the group. And it starts with, um, you know, you're the first meeting where they're going to try to stumble you up a little bit on, you know, show you that you don't really know much about the theology or about, about what you believe and what's true. Then they're going to bring you in. They want to baptize you right away. Then they want to alienate you from all other religious influences or authorities in your life, like parents, by, by starting to warn you against them, like Santa, Satan, everybody else is apostate. And yet you still don't even know what they really believe. Like you said, um, the whole Ansong Hong thing, who they believe is the second coming of Christ, who's also the Father, who's also the Holy Spirit. It's, some, it's just, it's all muddled. But they believe that this guy... Um, yeah, is is their like their founder and the one who brought salvation back to the world, right? And, and yet, you guys didn't know that this is like the Christ of the group. How how long was it till you even heard about Ansong Hong? We never did. And and I I wanted you said you just said a, a big mouthful, and I want to back up. I, I tend to do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. The first question they ask when you walk in the door is, "Do you believe in the Bible?" Mm -hmm. And most people say. Sure. Um, what what I, I don't think most people realize is, is anybody can interpret the Bible to mean really any anything they want. There are a lot of denominations out there, um, some some mainstream and some high demand religion. But that's the first way they go. OK, if if they believe this, we can start to spin the, our interpretation of the Bible into this this belief system and that's the first thing the second thing they'll say is um let let's talk about the the the, uh, the sabbath so you know you know originally the sabbath was on saturday mm -hmm. do you know why it's now on sunday because satan got in there and he he jiggered with it and as you know better than i there's been a lot of argument in the, in the world about that that point so yeah. they 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 latch on to truths anything they can even you know think they can latch on to they latch on to mm -hmm. to get you to believe and then they elevate it they'll say then they start to say here's where the catholic church went wrong here's where the the uh, uh judaism went wrong here's where Islam went wrong uh, and try to pull you in slowly and then continue to to elevate it to the point where they got you and and you'll believe anything that they say. It's a very slow, deliberate and, and sneaky process. And yeah. for us, um, it's changed now for us. They did not talk about Unsung Hong. They did not talk about Mother God. We found out on the web and came back and said, is Mother God 
alive and a Korean lady alive and living in Korea right now. And they were kind of surprised. First thing the pastor said was don't ever go on the internet. If you have any questions about anything, come to me. You're eating from the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree, if you go to the internet at all. Yeah. Right, right. Except you can go on their web pages. So, um, and that's that's another part of isolation. Yeah. They try to isolate you. They're having private Bible studies. They're telling you to only talk to them. Uh, at the same time, when you're around the, the, the people in the church, man, they are saying you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. If Mike went there and they didn't know who you were, you all of a sudden you'd be a genius and and you know a, a wonderful, perfect human being and yeah. uh, and handsome. And it, the, the love bombing is a very very real thing. And I will yeah. tell you that touched my daughter because she had she was smart had a tough time making friends and boy once you once she went into that church she had an instant 50 friends yeah yeah um, it's tough to see the difference between <clears throat> genuine compassion and welcoming versus like manipulative like what you call love bombing um yeah. and I've, I've, I've seen, I've seen different people do that. I'm not a big fan of it. I, I love the idea of just honest friendliness and compassion and love towards other people. But if, the, if it's like, I only do this the first time I meet you, well, that's right. fake. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a lie. That's right. manipulation. The Sabbath thing's funny because biblically speaking, okay, I'll give you my perspective on this. Biblically speaking, the Sabbath is Saturday. It's always been Saturday. That's the Sabbath. Um, Christians just aren't required to do the Sabbath at all. Now, over time, over time, they started to, to start like hundreds and hundreds of years later, they start thinking, well, Sunday's like our holy day. So we'll rest on Sunday too. And we'll call that our Sabbath, right? And then there's people going, wait, but Sabbath is Saturday. So then people start arguing, no, it moved to Sunday. And this whole, I'm just throwing my hands up going, guys, it didn't move at all. Like you just have a convention that you rest on Sunday. That's fine. Go for it. Um, but Romans is clear. We're, we're not, Romans 14, like you, you don't have to have the Sabbath. This was there for a purpose. Christ is the fulfillment of all that. But um, anyway, that's that. And I could, I would get in theological discussions with people over those issues, but, but even the people I know who think the Sabbath is like required or, or you should rest on Saturday would never say, or like the ones I know personally, they would never say that, um, therefore we're the only real safe church and everyone else is apostate. And you know, it's, it's like that kind of, everything's dialed up to 10, right? Yes. Any disagreement on any level with us proves satanic sources of all those other people and so the the level of paranoia is is what creates the feeling of safety in the group right the, the the heightened degree of paranoia about all others makes it makes it so this is the only safe place to be and the only people to listen to yeah. that's well said well said they, they go straight from sabbath or, or sunday to you are it's it's proof that you are influenced by by satan and and straight right. And you can't be trusted. And that's just another very powerful, but very powerful way they, they, they control people. I mean, I, I see it, my wife and I see it every time our daughter comes over. You can see that fear and that distrust and the cognitive dissonance. She knows that we're her parents. She knows that we love her to death. But when she walks in that door, it's almost like she's looking around for satanic influences or, you know, there's just a, a, a almost a, a, a tangible 
um, uh, thing in the air that, that makes her scared. And that's, that's the danger that really is the underlying danger of, of this, this organization. This is not, my, my point has always been, this is not a normal religion. And, um, when I've seen interviews with world mission members where they're, they're almost being given a soapbox. So you would get one on and you would talk to them about their beliefs and how they're wrong. And, on the surface, that's fine. But what you're actually doing is you're giving a dangerous uh, group a, a platform to touch other people. And so it's very, there's a very, a lot of conflict in my mind about, you know, how to, how to reach them. And, and part of me wants to push them into the background and never talk to them. But then part of me wants to see people like you, you know, try to pump them out of it, too. So it's, it's a, but it's a good word is like just because, you know, the, the usability ease of the Internet is that anybody can do anything. And so, yeah, you might be able to get someone on. But my thought is like, don't bring them on unless you can publicly defeat their bad stuff. Like, right. <laughs> because right. if you can, if, if it does, if it doesn't, if you don't, if you're not prepared for that, because debate is not an easy thing. No. And there's all kinds of things other than facts that influence debates. And if you're not able to, you know, debunk their perspectives that they're pre preaching, then you don't want to be promoting it by having them on. It's, it's, it's not safe. It's not safe. It's going to be a win or a lose, one or the other. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's sad because with a, I think with a guy like me and a guy like you, who you, the reason you have a strong faith is is you've had a lot of doubts. You continue to have doubts, but you think through those doubts. Mm -hmm. If you debate a World Mission Society member, they don't have any doubts. They are scripted. Their leaders have told them to get on and do this this debate, and they're not going to give one. It's like I said before, facts don't matter. They're not going to give one one inch even if you make the best point you can. Um, and their, their goal is to just say, you know, hey, sorry, we know the truth, or you, whether you think it or not, come, come join us and truly be saved. So, Yeah, yeah, and I can feel your frustration. It's like you're saying there isn't a silver bullet here. And right. So would you, like going back, you know, looking back with the perspective you have now, like you didn't know what you were getting into initially, and then you just had to find out by living it, um, would you go back? Would you do anything differently? Would yes. You, yeah. So tell us about that. Like, um, and this is this is this is angsty. I totally get that. But this is because somebody might be listening right now who's at the beginning of what you went through, right? And it might help them to know, right? So um, uh, this this is simple but profound. I would have have taken some of the cult experts' advice and. Immediately, once I realized what was going on, I would have done whatever I could have done to get my daughter away from that church. And I don't care whether I had to lie, cheat, steal. Number one, get her, get your loved one away from that church and to some sort of counselor, whether it's a, a local pastor or a, a psychologist or something like that. Um, because the longer you wait 
and this was drilled in my head, the longer you wait, the longer they get indoctrinated, the, the less likely you are to, to succeed. Um, and I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you an example of a success story, but it's a little bit frightening. Um, a, a guy I know, uh, got his, got his daughter out, didn't quite kidnap her, but, but got her in the car and drove her to New Jersey from California and, um, got her to talk to some people, got her out of the church, got away. Two months later, she came to her father and she said, dad, I want you to know something. When, when I told you I was out of this church, I was not, I believed everything that they told me. My decision was that I would rather live in hell with you and the rest of my family than be in heaven without you. That, that is, is, was very, very heavy to me. And I've, I've talked to a lot of people that have said, when I left the church, I still believed the doctrine. I was just worn out. They worked me too hard or they, you know, made me really angry or something like that. It, yeah. it took them months and years to understand that the, the doctrine was bad too. Yeah. I've, so, I've seen comments from people who were like, um, and gotten messages from, I'm not part of the group right now because I, I just, I haven't been attending. I'm not being faithful. Like I'm a bad person is how they feel. Right. Right. But they still believe it and they're still defending it. And it's, and it's just the most, it's almost like it helps them that it's so irrational. Right. <laughs> and yes. they just embrace it. And, um, and, and oh that's man, it, it's, 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 it's real life is often very messy. This is incredibly real and incredibly messy. Yeah. And so your, your thought then for parents is take extreme actions, take it as seriously as you possibly can right now. For loved ones, you have someone you know that's in this, do whatever you can. Now, that could potentially just make things way worse, right? It, it, it could, but um, you, you've got to remember that if you don't, they're still being indoctrinated. And number two, they've been told what's going to happen. Your parents are going to do this. They're going to try to, you know, drive, steal you away or kidnap you or whatever. And I'm not saying breaking the, break the law, but yeah. um, every time that, that they go to church and say, wow, you were right. My parents want to take me on a vacation or, or get me away. That proves to them that their doctrine is, is true. So prophecies being, are being fulfilled. Um, yeah. And perhaps giving the, the, giving the warning, we're going to do this. We're going to do that is under undermines those very plans because they've been, they're being warned on the other end. Watch out for this. Yes. Yes. And that's, that's keeping them, just pulling them deeper in. And the, the second thing I, I would highly advise it's very difficult is not to get angry. So when you, when you see your, your loved one mm -hmm. being so nonsensical or irrational, and they're, they're, they're intelligent kids. You're kind of like you, you smack your head and you go, what are you talking about? How can you believe this? And it's almost like I got, have, have got, had some heated, angry discussions with my daughter. And then my wife takes over 
and she gets so frustrated, the same thing happens. Um, it just, it doesn't do any good. You, you really, the, the biggest piece of advice I can give is just love them. Keep that contact because if, if they know you're pushing back, if they know you're argumentative, um, the church will tell them, you know what, why don't you just stop seeing your family so much? Take yeah. a few months off. Don't go on any vacations. Mm -hmm. um, and that no contact is just that. You, you have no way to be a part of their life anymore. And that sucks them into the, the church even more. So, yeah. Um, wow. So, yeah. Good, good. That's good counsel, good advice. Stay calm. I'm sure that was hard earned knowledge. Yeah, yeah, sure. It was, it was. And the last piece of advice I can give is, is arouse that, that cognitive dissonance. Um, and this has been difficult and it's, it has arisen in me from, from understanding more about, uh, biblical doctrine and, and religion and things like that. And this, this speaks directly to what you, you were talking about. You can see links between the World Mission Society, Church of God, because after all, they call themselves Christian. So you can see those links, those little bits of truth that they use to catapult their their uh, misinterpretation of the Bible. Um, and and in in some ways, sometimes I'm I'm kind of now on the fence religiously and I'm sure you can understand that this whole thing has been devastating to me, but, but sometimes I can think through, um, some things to say to my daughter that will stop her. And I can see it for literally seconds. She might stop for three or four seconds and I know that I've stopped her and I know I've caused her to, to think. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, but that's it, it, it's it's tough to do also. Um, but that's today what I'm trying what I try to do is gently plant the seeds of, of doubt um, in regard to Mother God and Nansong Hong and that sort of things. So, yeah. So. I think of them as seeds of truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. OK, that's 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 yeah. better. Well it's said. crazy because it, it to her it's it's Christian. This is this is Christian. This is what real authentic Christianity is. And yet all of the core elements. So um, a return of Christ that was private that nobody knows about, where he dies again. Like this is so against what Scripture teaches. Jesus says like, don't even look for me if someone claims that I'm here. Don't believe him. Blanket statement because when I come back, everyone will know. And he says, you know. The Hebrew says he can never die again. Yet they think An Song Hong was Jesus who came and died again. That he he died twice. Now um, the the whole Mother God thing is completely the closest thing to Mother God in the Old Testament is 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 not in the New but in the Old Testament. And it's the Asherah uh, religion. They worship these Asherah things and they tried to make her the wife of God, the female version of of God. They even put Asherah poles historically in the temple at one point, and. Um, and this was refuted like like very angrily by the prophets. And so all these things that are like central. And then they try to like hook you in to these these things that are centrally flawed with these like, oh, but the Sabbath and the Pope and conspiracy things. Santa say like do they do the thing where they say Santa, you rearrange the the letters and it says Satan? Yes, that that's what I meant by Santa equals Satan. Yeah. 
Oh my goodness. Like, yeah. Got angry at the pastor. And yeah, I, called, I said, you have got to be kidding me. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in, in my life. It is. You all, you know, dog and God, apparently. Right. <laughs> right? Yep. Yep. Now, um, and, then, yeah. and then one other thing, when I said, I got to ask you, this mother God thing, the Jerusalem thing, I, I looked up in my handy dandy uh, online Bible. There's, there's, and I'm getting these numbers wrong. There's 1300 references to, to Jesus in the Bible. And there's 4,200 references to God. Look up mother God in the Bible. There's, there's zero references. So talk to me about that. And it's, and that's, that's when you start to realize that facts don't matter because they'll say, Oh, it's all over in there. You're just missing it. Yeah. But anyway, so. Yeah. Yeah. The the whole Santa thing. So Santa just means saint. Yes. Like, like Santa or Holy Santa Biblia, like Holy Bible, right? Like Santa just means it's like, that's all it means. It references the historical guy, St. Nick, you know, Nick from the fourth century who legend has it traveled uh, a long distance just to confront a heretic so he could punch him in the face. Not, enti- not likely a true legend, but <laughs> <laughs> the lesser known, the lesser known legend of, of St. Nick punching a guy in the face. Um, yeah. Anyways, hopefully it's not true, but the, um, yeah, the, the stuff they do, it, it's just, it's, it's crazy. And I don't really know. I know that like a video like this, it can be passively viewed and people are just more likely to, to watch a video like this who might be part of the group. And if you're watching now, I'm so grateful that you're watching. Like, I want you to know the truth about Christ and, um, and, and, and how you're being manipulated in his name, but but this this is the kind of thing that I think might help somebody, you know. And I've I've had people, lots of people, tell me that they left the group because of the videos I made, and I more than I expected to be honest, uh, reach out and say that they left because of those videos. And so I'm hoping this continues to add to that. the The thing though that I would like to to cover now is is I think the secondary victim of groups like the World Mission Society Church of God is that I think that they cripple people when it comes to believing about anything. Because there's such a fear about being trapped or being misled or, or whatever. But let me ask you, like, where do you stand? If, if you're okay talking about this, where do you stand in regards to God personally um, and religion and all that? Sure. Uh, I am, I would say that I am seriously on the fence. So I, this was, uh, you know, I was raised a, a, a Christian didn't attend church all the time, was but was a, a believer. And then um, when it came to the World Mission Society, the, the really the, the overwhelming question would, how could any God let this happen? And I will tell you that, that you're right. It's a very common thing. Um, my daughter, is is went from being a believer to a non-believer one of the the kids we had in our intervention group um was a young man with a uh, on his way to being a pastor went through our intervention and and came out and came to me one day and said you know mr herdman can i be honest with you i this whole thing has affected me so much i'm I'm an atheist. 
Um, and I didn't know what to say, but I, I think you can understand why when you see something like this happen, a beautiful life ruined uh, uh, based on the Bible, it's probably one of the reasons I wanted to communicate to you and your viewers that that the interpretation of the Bible is, is just a tool they use. They they really want to control your life and, and get your money and, and make more money and have more power. It's really only a tool. Um, it adds it adds a clout to them yes. because they can claim we have this on our side too. Right. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. So so as far as myself and and my wife and my other daughter, it has caused us to really step back and start to examine. You know, I've read every book from William Lane Craig to C.S. Lewis to to. St. Thomas Aquinas, and then mm -hmm. on the other side, some of you know your favorites, the the uh, Sam Harris's of the world, things like that, and and really trying to to slowly figure out what what I'm comfortable with, what I believe. Yeah. But it's it's been it's been faithfully it's been devastating. Yeah. Um. So, I I just so you know I I understand I get it. I get that. I understand that. And I think it's a natural impact. And I think it's, you know, from my worldview perspective, it would be like, and this is why uh, Satan would try to create false religions is because the, the fallout, especially ridiculous ones that get you locked in and then you come out and they look, you see it for what it really is, is right. that it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an atheist making machine or at least at least getting people to say, okay, maybe I'll, I'll believe there's a God, but I'm never going to commit to anything because look at the potential of committing right right like that that's scary to me now and yeah. it kind of like somebody who's been wounded in relationships and so they'll they maybe they'll have some flings or some gentle like light relationships with people but they'll never get married because right. of the, the it's just too scary and it's like your bad relationship has like robbed you of a good marriage my my is like this 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 uh cult group this this uh, oppressive and false religion is robbing you of of a potential you know, potentially having the truth. And that's now that isn't going to fix the problem for you. I think it just shows you a way of looking at it maybe. But let me ask you this, though, David, why aren't you an atheist? Why isn't that your your perspective on things? Um, I, I would say that, that I, I might actually be leaning a little bit that way, more of a, a, a lack of belief than an, an absolute atheist if that makes sense I, I really haven't delved into the exact definitions um, but I you know I, I want to believe in a in a in a good power guiding the world and your your point is very well taken if, if anything I've gone from being religious to I guess you would call it a deist kind of a believer in a in a higher power, not so much organized religion, but what, what happened to me in my search may help. I, when I first found out about all this, I decided, well, I'll just figure out what religion I am and I'll talk, talk her out of this. And so I went and I was very open-minded. I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm not Christian. Maybe I'm Jewish. Maybe I'm Muslim. Maybe I'm a Buddhist. 
let's let's go let's go figure it out and um what i found was i had to go back all the way to the first forms of religion and try to think about it that way and in the long the way to be honest with you i i read a book by uh bart ehrman um and that that smacked me upside the head and i that's really where i started to question and i thought wow i really need to so then i would go out and read defending your faith by william lane craig and then i would go back and read sam harris and that's kind of where i'm trying to look at the whole spectrum of options Mm -hmm. unbiased logical unemotional way so so yeah um yeah although we none of us can really be any of those things <laughs> truly right right but uh, but we try and it's and it's important to try to be thoughtful and reasonable and all that but um but but these these issues are too big for us to have no no emotional feelings about them at least in my in my experience then you're yeah. right you're right yeah. you're right and that that may be why the answer to why i'm not a a, a total atheist I, I want to like i said i i, I want to believe that we're here for a reason that, um, yeah. uh, you know, I want to see, want to see my, my parents again, or my grandparents or a host of different reasons. I want to believe in, in a, a good power for the, for the world. So, and that's, that, that is what I, that's why I, I differentiate between high demand religion and more mainstream religions. Why I say, I don't think you're, uh, uh, a judgmental man. You're just you're just trying to help people find the truth and, and do good for the world. And I I think that's wonderful. Yeah. So at least and and I wouldn't I'm not I wouldn't be offended by that. But I the way I see you, you would look at me and you think, well, he's bringing a net positive benefit. <laughs> so yeah. so that'll, right. that that'll that'll be acceptable. We'll allow that. Plus. Plus, if if at least people listen to me, they wouldn't be part of that stuff, right? There the high demand, you know. If hopefully, if you listen to what I'm teaching, you're going to have a better relationship with your parents and not a worse one. <laughs> okay, that's that's well said. You're right. Yeah. You're right. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I. But I'll tell you though, for me personally, it's it's not at all good enough. Like it's got to be true. It's got to be true, or I can't. I cannot do what I do unless I really think it's true. Um, uh, that had to be done way before I would ever talk to anybody else about it. It had to be that I, I went through the same process as you reading, wondering like, uh, how do I, I've heard stuff from Bart Ehrman. I've got Bart Ehrman's books, you know, which, which book was it you read? Do you remember? I think the first one was misquoting Jesus. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so my opinion is that his books are incredibly misleading and, um, and that, and that he's very misleading. Now it doesn't mean he's just lying about it's, it's not that it's not what I'm saying. Uh, that would be a different thing. It's it's that you walk away believing things that he doesn't even believe because of the way he couches his terms. So in uh, the appendix of misquoting Jesus, when it was first printed, there were these follow up questions. In the if you have an early printing, you should have this in there. And the follow up questions were like, um, so uh, how different would the Bible be? you know, than, than the one we have now originally. And he says, oh, it's pretty much the same. And 
that was like such a shock to the readers that they that the publisher said let's take that out in the next edition because it's it's like sort of combating against the expectation you created with the rest of the book that um that that largely we haven't had changes so we, weird stuff i don't know how into it you got but weird stuff like he has a view about how christology changed over this over the over the first 200 years of the church but his view is based on um, a variant reading in luke that like almost nobody agrees with him on and so like his whole view falls apart if, if he's wrong about this one thing that he's like one of the only people that says that. And but but the reader doesn't know this. They don't know that this little piece in his puzzle, the whole puzzle falls apart without it. And it's com he's completely alone just about in his views there. But um, gotcha. Anyway, I, I, I wouldn't expect to change your mind uh, over our discussion here. But if you're interested in something that if you're even interested in pursuing this stuff more. Um, Dan Wallace did a public debates with Bart Ehrman and Dan Wallace is a brilliant New Testament scholar. He is, um, I mean, brilliant and highly respected in, in the secular world. He, like, if you learn Greek, you're reading his Greek grammar, right? Like he's the guy that wrote it really brilliant, really highly respected. And Dan him and Bart Ehrman did a series of debates and you can find them online for free. And, and it would, it, that totally changed my understanding of things after seeing Bart Ehrman when he talks alone versus when he has to face a, a real trained and thoughtful scholar. Um, I know William Lane Craig treated his stuff, but he didn't give it the treatment that it needs because it's not his field, right? So William Lane Craig talks a little bit about things like variants and stuff like that. Dan Wallace is the guy. He's like the guy. This guy did his dissertation on the use of the word the in Greek. <laughs> right. So he's just I'll a total nerd you know in a good way i'll be watching his videos tonight then and i i know i can see by talking to you that one thing that sticks in my mind is someone said a a faith unchallenged is no faith at all and i'm okay with that i want to you know i, I want to yeah. challenge myself and yeah. and see yeah. what i so i agree with you and and i'll be as blunt as I can, there's still things I don't understand and I don't know the answers to. Um, I'm honestly, honestly, intellectually convinced that Christianity is true. Uh, truly I am. And that's, that's why I, I, I produce the content. Like to, again, I, I said this before, but that had to happen before I could say anything to others out loud. It, the stakes are too high. I take this role too, too seriously to jerk people around. But, um, but let me let me hit this hit you up with this like think about think let's let's just survey what topics would are are of central value um so the the eyewitness testimony in the gospels is is very important but christianity can be true even if you didn't have that technically at least at least in my perspective um what's really important is like the resurrection of christ right and you've uh, what have you read on that already do you know um so i i will say uh, the, the, the thrust of, of my research and reading has to do with just being honest, more fundamental, um, foundational, you know, is there, is there a, a God or gods, uh, a real belief in the, the supernatural? Because for me, if I don't believe in the supernatural, um, it's like building a, a house. Doesn't matter what I believe about 
Christianity because my right. the foundation of my house is mud. Yep. Uh, that sort of thing. So I really feel like I have to be convinced that there is a God that mm-hmm. that supernatural exists. So I can believe the stuff that happened in the Bible. That sort of thing. And, and yeah. that's that's kind of where uh, where I I ended up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, number one issue: Does God exist? If He does exist, then when you evaluate, say, evidence for the resurrection of Jesus, there's like an inherent probability like God could do that. Okay. So at least I'm looking at something that could potentially happen. Yes. Whereas if you don't believe God exists, then, and so this is, that's Ehrman's thing. He says that um, the reason why the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus doesn't matter is because, and he would say, as a historian, you're not allowed to conclude supernatural things. And so no matter what the evidence is, you can't say it happened. And now I, I look at it and I go, that's a blind faith position because <laughs> <You know? laughs> who cares what the evidence is? I'm going to deny it. And that's a problem. When asked for an alternate explanation of the evidence, Airman won't give one. He's like, I won't give one. Whatever, whatever alternate explanation you give to put, to explain the evidence other than the resurrection, they'll just tear it down. I'm not going to give one. I'm just going to say you can't, you can't conclude the resurrection as a historian because we have a no supernatural rule. And, um, to me, that's like his, that's, that's it's like his belly showing, his, his, uh, his weak underside showing as much as the guy's really brilliant man. And he's incredibly, like an incredibly good debater and very persuasive. But, um, so God's existence, but you've read William Lane Craig on this. Was there any particular argument that you thought was most compelling, um, or stuff that you thought, nah, that's junk and you chucked it? Well, um, you know, uh, William talks talks a lot about the what is it the five proofs kind of St. Thomas Aquinas five proofs and things like that and, and when I've gone through the whether it's the ontological argument or the other arguments um, uh, like I said I try to hear the argument and then hear a listen to a, a, a the argument debunked kind of mm-hmm. uh, uh, kind of video or something like that um, and. That's where I am on the, the fence. For instance, uh, let me see. If if cause cause and if, if everything has a cause, um, you know, or a, a beginning, if the universe has a beginning, and so on and so forth. But God does not then if, if God does not, then why do I need to say that the universe has a, a cause or a beginning? Is that, does that make? Oh, I totally get you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you're, it, and this is, this is a pretty common um, observation is like, Hey, yeah. Why, why is it special pleading? The universe has to have a beginning, but God doesn't like why. And um, um, maybe an easier, I'm trying to think of it. If, if, you pro- it sounds like from what you described, it sounds like you read his book, Reasonable Faith. Yes. And in that book, he goes through like specifically, he's like, here's, he go. it's so thick. Like I read that book and I have to read one paragraph like eight times, right? It's really challenging reading. Right. Yeah. Um, another one that's probably a lot easier to grasp is called Reasonable, I'm sorry, it's called uh, On Guard. Ah, okay. And usually I recommend that one because I... 
uh, think that it's tremendously difficult to read reasonable faith. <laughs> and, uh, and it's not because you're because because we're dummies. It's because he's heading directly into complicated debates in areas of study that are still relatively new to the person who's reading. So it's like, gotcha, gotcha. this is advanced okay. and I'm not advanced in that area. So, um, but here's the basic thought is with the universe, what we, what we would need to clear up your, your question hypothetically is we need to give reason to think the universe does have a beginning and we need reason to think that God does not have a beginning. And if we could show that the difference is a beginning point, then then the then saying uh, the universe needs a cause for its beginning, but God didn't have a beginning, so he doesn't need a cause for something that didn't happen. Nothing has to cause a beginning that he would be uh, causing his own existence internally, which it would fit something they call perfect being theology or the idea that if God really is the highest, greatest being, him being self-caused or self-sustaining. Right. But without a beginning. He's just exists. He's just is existence in a sense. Then that would make sense. Um, so the the thing that helps us with this is all of the whole um, Einstein's relativity theory and those types of things that basically suggest the universe has a finite past. And this is not a, a controversial perspective anymore. It used to be uh, when Einstein first you know came up with this theory of relativity. He fudged the numbers because it was implying the universe had a beginning, and it was Hubble. With his telescope, it's an interesting story about it. Hubble observes what's what they call the red shift. There's like this radi- there's this r- slight radiation, background radiation in the universe of, of of a little bit of heat. It's it's not zero. It's a little above zero, actual zero, right? Right. Right. And they're like, huh. And as they start looking around and examining things, Einstein checks it out. And there's a story of how Einstein went to Hubble, looked in his telescope, saw what Hubble saw, and then he came out and he said that he should have fudged his numbers that was the biggest mistake he ever made um he didn't do it like in an immoral way he did it the way that people do when they go what if i tweak the calculation this way and then it'll work you know right he you know he, he didn't do it in anything wrong he just right. morally wrong it was just it was wrong <laughs> and, uh, and so he comes out and he's like yeah now the term big bang came out of this they go okay so the universe had a beginning it looks like it just exploded into existence we're looking at the leftovers of a massive explosion and so mockingly they called it a big bang because it was so disliked amongst the physicists at the time. And oh. slowly it became the dominant theory, but big bang was the mocking term. Oh, it was a big bang. Huh? And, um, the reason one, well, one of the reasons they pushed back on this is because anti-supernaturalism is kind of embedded in the sciences at the moment. It has been for a long time. And they're like, look, if the universe has a beginning, then you're going to have to explain what began it. Right. And it can't begin itself because it's not here to do that. So that sounds an awful lot like you're using science to argue for God, you know, and uh, which is, of course, what people ended up doing with it. (laughs) And so, yes. So, yeah. So the universe, it seems it does have a real beginning. Um, There's an there's a. I'm sorry, just two seconds. Yeah, there's a um, uh, there's good reason, in other words, to conclude that the universe does have a beginning, Um, then at least at least conceptually. If you look at God, you can say, well, God, by description, at least by our understanding of what God would be, would not have any beginning point. Um, he didn't exist for millions of years. Like he would, he had to create time because with, with, uh, with space not existing, time would also not be happening. Right. Um, space and time are connected. Um, and so you would, you sort of need, if something caused the universe, which includes space, time, matter, energy, you, you need 
something that doesn't depend on any of those things to create it. The cause of the universe can't be space, time, matter, or energy. It would have to be spaceless, timeless, immaterial, and not dependent on any external source of energy. It would just have to be some kind of crazy power. Right. And so yeah. th those, those descriptions do fit God, right? He's, he's, he's transcendent. That's spaceless, right? He's, he's timeless. Okay, he's eternal. He's, he's very powerful. Um, and he doesn't depend on anything else for his existence. Like that does fit God at least. Yes. Like God should be on the table as a possible explanation for the universe. Right. Um, yeah. I don't right. know of a good pushback against that personally. Um, and I, I think it's pretty, pretty simple stuff. You mentioned uh, some of William Lane Craig's books being difficult to read. Yeah. And, and I might not have gotten through that, depending on your faith, but one of them I read was, I think it was uh, something from nothing that Leonard Krauss. Uh, Lawrence Krauss. Oh, Lawrence, Lawrence Krauss. So, and and I, yeah. I, I'm at the point where I'm not working as, I had a barn burner a career, so I have some time and I have picked up some of these books, but I have to read every paragraph five times yeah. and, and it and it's so it's just a challenge to get through yeah not just you know figure out what i believe in all of it so right yeah lawrence <laughs> krauss is interesting he he recently came under fire he was getting accused of um uh sexual inappropriate behavior with with some of his fans but but that's beside the point the the thing with lawrence krauss is he he defines because he wants to say the universe comes from nothing, but but he redefines the term nothing to mean a quantum space, right? That has that's full of energy and potential energy and all kinds of activities that are going on in this quantum space, and then so his the real debate with Krauss isn't anything in his book. It's really, can you call that nothing? Yeah. Can you just grant the existence of of a, a quantum vacuum that has space that's experiencing? changes over time that has full of energy and roiling with all this stuff and in his view has the potential to sort of create the universe which that is another stretch but um but so i watched a a, a thing that had lawrence krauss and it was and it had um a philosopher and it had um uh, neil degrasse tyson yes and sure. the three of the three of them and there was a couple of the guys on stage they were all talking about what the definition of nothing is. It was a two hour discussion on how to define nothing. And you could see Krauss and Tyson really want to say that nothing is something because it's, let's just be honest, to evangelize their viewpoint, it, they're both atheists, and to evangelize from their viewpoint, you, you need to say the universe came out of nothing because it's one of the most powerful reasons to believe in God. Right. Um, and so they want to say, yeah, it came out of nothing. We're just redefining nothing. And the philosopher was great because the philosopher, I don't know what his beliefs are, but he's sitting there and you could tell he's visibly irritated the whole time. And finally at the end, he chimes in and he goes, this is the most ridiculous conversation I've ever been part of. Nothing means not anything, right? You can't define nothing as a quantum space with activities going on. Nothing doesn't involve activity. Nothing doesn't involve anything. And he's just like really all frustrated. So it's so funny because you could, you could grant everything else Krauss is saying and then you just you just have to acknowledge but that's still not nothing yeah, like, yeah. You, Krauss even if the whole universe came from a small quantum vacuum that had activity in it how do you explain the quantum space and the activity in it because it's right. not self-causing and and then everything ends like the discussion ends because there isn't even a I don't think there's even a 
potential creator other than God um, that's been put on the table that's realistic. Yeah. Instead, they just have an arbitrary stopping point, right? Like right. back when string theory was popular, it's not anymore, but when it was popular, they're like, well, the strings vibrate and give birth to all things. And then someone's like, well, where do the strings come from? And they're like, yeah, it's not important. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you know? It's, not, right. it's right. not relevant. It's like, yeah. but you need this uncaused thing. You need this thing that that is self-sustaining, that is eternal, that is not dependent on creation, that causes all of creation. It would have to be amazingly powerful. Like this really sounds like God. Um, <clears throat> but there's there's other arguments for God. So that's the Kalam cosmological argument, right? Whatever begins to exist has a cause. That's the first idea. Yes. The second one is the universe began to exist, and you can use science to support that. And uh, and that's pretty much all agreed upon. And then the best explanation for you know the, the universe is God because he's he has the attributes we look for. You know, spaceless, timeless, immaterial, all powerful. And um, <clears throat> another one is the argument from contingency, which is a different argument altogether, although it'll sound similar. And there, there's a, a guy who's put that forward in detail, brilliant philosopher. William Lane Craig says that he's smarter than William Lane Craig. And his wow. name is Josh Rasmussen. And okay. he wrote a book that's meant to be approachable. It's a little difficult. I know I've got it here somewhere. It's called How Reason Can Lead to God. And um, I wonder where I have it. Got it. It's all right. I got it. I... Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, Josh Rasmussen, he's a he's a professor over at Azusa. Um, okay. Really nice guy. Really brilliant guy. And he walks through what's called a contingency argument. And a lot of people actually think that argument is even stronger than the Kalam. Um, and it's basically saying, you know, think of everything that exists. Take take Imagine everything that exists. We'll, we'll call that. We'll, we'll take, call it a ball. We'll call it like a ball of reality, like all that's in reality. Okay. Um, now, a lot of the stuff that's in this ball of reality, it it seems like it depends on something else. Like it's it doesn't just exist a, a force of its own nature. It just is caused to exist. So then you start walking back to ask, okay, there's some things that are contingent upon others. Like you were contingent upon your parents. Your parents are contingent upon them. Um, you know, there's various contingents dependence that's going on and he traces this back and suggests that this is a, a strong argument for the existence of god and um anyway that would be an, an interesting read from a philosophical perspective um one okay. of my favorite things to argue from is prophecy uh, a whole different issue i think that the because to me this proves it, it goes in one swoop it proves the bible and god um and if it's prophecy about jesus then in, if it's successful if the argument's successful it proves the bible god and jesus all in one swoop you know um Right, and I, I actually have yeah. your one of your prophecy videos on on watch later. I think I saw it today, and I and that's because that's another thing. I, I it's a challenge for me is the, the prophecies and and yeah. how to understand them. I don't know if they actually occurred, that sort of thing. But I, that, yeah, I'm like yeah, similar. yeah. When it comes to trying to use prophecy, at least my philosophy is, um, I I love talking about prophecy. I'll talk about various prophecies, but when it comes to prophecy as evidence i don't I, I don't use most prophecies in the bible because if it was prophesied and then it happened 20 years later that was great evidence if you were alive at the time but from us 2000 years later that's not great evidence like i don't know a 20 year time gap i can't prove a 20 year time difference this right. far out right yeah. so what i would look for in the bible is prophecies that are plus if, if it's a vague prophecy okay but I, then i don't i'm not going to use it it's too vague so right. i need prophecies that have specificity prophecies that um, have a long time between when they were predicted to when they were fulfilled. 
prophecies that couldn't have been just deliberately fulfilled by people who believed the prophecy and um, and then prophecies that have verification of their fulfillment outside of outside of the Bible or at least outside of we'll just put this way I have good verification that they really did happen that way and so then I narrow it down to just a handful of prophecies that I use to try to demonstrate Christianity is true yeah, yeah. They, they have a prophecy you know Church of God they have a prophecy that Messiah has to reign for um, is it 40 years and um, Jesus only reigned for three years in his time on earth Although Jesus, biblically, Jesus was never reigning during that time. So there's no, no rule going on, right? right. But, um, but that's why An Song Hong comes. And his, he's from the time of his baptism until his death is 37 years. So he fills up the other. And so it's the prophecy of 37 years. I had a, a Church of God member reach out to me. And she's like just leaving the group. And she goes, there's one thing I need you to answer for me. How do you explain the prophecy of the 37 years? And I mean, I love prophecy, right? And I go, what are you talking about? <laughs> What prophecy is this? Uh, and she goes, she goes, David, the 37 years, like Jesus, you know, David and Jesus had to fulfill it. And An Song Hong did it. And I said, can you show me where in the Old Testament or new it says anything about this? And she's like, I, I can't remember. But it's really bugging her. And she can't even remember where it is. And I've never found it, right? It, it's There isn't any text. There's just in their writings, David reigned for 40 years. So Jesus has to as well. And the weirdest thing is, An Song Hong wasn't even baptized 37 years before he died. They just lie about the date he was baptized to try to make this work. Sure, sure. Because so, we have the uh, the photographic evidence. Like somebody went into the, the because uh, he was baptized in the SDA church. Somebody went in there and they actually took a photo of the baptism book that shows the date is not, it doesn't oh, match. I say, yeah. Um, oh, gosh. So if that's the, pro- if that's my prophetic evidence, you should laugh at me. <laughs> <laughs> I would never do that. Oh, boy. The thing I'd encourage you is is just part of the victimization. This I've seen over and over again now. I've just I've just recently realized there's a pattern to it. Um, like the, I don't know if you saw the Ravi Zacharias scandal stuff that's gone on, but that yeah. that stuff I is you. I wouldn't be. I don't think I would be here asking you to do this if you weren't the type of of man who. I mean. You, you, you got to call a spade a spade. And unfortunately, Ravi was one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, but awesome. he's human just like everybody else. And so, yeah, I, I commend yeah. you for doing what you did. Yeah. But you know what What I see in the comments occasionally on that video that I just did is people saying, I feel like I can't trust anybody anymore. I feel like I can't trust any church or any leaders or anyone. And I think to myself, you're still the victim then of what he's done. Because right. it's definitely not true that you can't trust anybody. But if you if you rob yourself of being able to trust anybody, you're you're just allowing his his harm to continue to be perpetrated in your life, just like a, an abusive person means I can never have a, a healthy marriage or something, or lies about God means I can never believe the truth about God. And right. and I would encourage you just to keep seeking and keep open as as you seem to be right now, you know, open and, and uh praying asking the lord to, to reveal himself to you that much more thank you and you just you just hit the nail on the head that's why I, i'm not completely you know an, an atheist i know i've been through a lot yeah and, but i don't want that to stop me from you know knowing the truth so yeah yeah well yeah. and if there's anything ever that i can help you out with uh you know i'm not a high pressure guy anyway i would just 
have conversations <laughs> and offer thoughts and things like that. So uh, if there's anything, please reach out to me and let me know. And if and if anything ever changes with your family, I would love to hear about that. That would be so cool to just know. And I'm very hopeful for that. Yeah. You'll be one of the first to know. And if you don't mind, I probably will reach out to you from time to time. Thank That'd you so great. much for doing what you did today.